Hey, everybody. Welcome to Tell Me More. I'm your host, Dr. Christine Meyer. On the show, we break down some of the worst conversations in healthcare. Why? Because I believe that together we can build better ones. Hello, everybody. And I, as your podcast producer, Casey Callanan, on the Tell Me More podcast with Dr. Christine Meyer, was just talking with Dr. Meyer about this article we both saw pop up on LinkedIn over the last week or so. And it was called AI Doctor in a Box. And it just kind of both um, Christine and I kind of were like, what is this? Like, how is there going to be an AI doctor in a box coming to a mall near you? It just, it just kind of both struck us as odd. And I wanted to take this time to ask Christine, about her initial reaction to it. So, Christine, welcome to your own show. I'm excited. To, I'm <laughs> this excited. Is so fun. Yeah, I'm excited <laughs> to interview you about this. Um, first and foremost, like, how does this introduction of an AI doctor in a box at the mall kind of, in your opinion and in your initial reaction, and we'll dig deeper into this, but how does it undervalue primary care? Um, just just hearing about that. I mean, first of all, like right now, you have to know my my heart is pounding inside my chest and I have like this ache in my stomach. I just was like, ugh, it's horrible on so many levels. That was like my initial reaction. Um, you know, we're all about convenience right now and instant gratification, but like healthcare is not Amazon Prime. It's not like get it immediately regardless, right? Like there are so many factors that impact someone's health diagnosis, treatment, and outcome um, that just can't be replicated inside a pod with a screen. I mean, honestly, like I even have my doubts sometimes about urgent care where people, it's essentially like a doc in a box, but it's at least a human being, right? Um, And there's still issues there with continuity and the quality of care sometimes and all that. So then you remove the human aspect and then you just have this, you know, computer algorithm trying to take care of human beings. It's just horrible. I, I just can't say that enough. Yeah. And I mean, I would emphasize that Christine, you literally host a YouTube channel called The Business of Caring. So you are not opposed to a more efficient or, you know, whatever it takes to deliver great patient care and be cost effective. Like that's totally in your wheelhouse. But this particular approach, you just feel it just completely like seems to miss the mark. And um, I just would ask you, like, what would you urge patients to be mindful of when it comes to these kind of uh, these new AI type things that are just popping up in patient care? Like what, what how would you educate patients to go about being a smart consumer? Yeah, I mean, I think this is just, this is the conversation I had with people many, many years ago about Google and WebMD and kind of trying to figure out a condition based on, you know, something you typed into a search box. This is, you know, next level, right? So it's the same idea where patients are going outside of their healthcare team to try to get information. And I don't blame patients for this. Like, I think patients are just 
there's a demand, there's a need, there's need for easier access, there's need for quicker diagnoses. And so that's where, you know, this business model has popped up from. But just like when you are not healthcare minded and reading information about medical diagnoses or medicines, there's danger there because you're seeing things out of context. And whether that information is coming at you from, you know, a, a search that you just did online, or if it's coming at you from an AI, you know, um, avatar that's trying to tell you what your diagnosis is, you, you just have to take all that with a grain of salt. And I would say, if you do pop into one of these pods, or if you do a Google search, talk to your doctor about it, you know, get the information. I am all for patients being prepared and coming armed with information, but let us help you navigate what's good and what's bad information, which honestly, you know, people are going to say, well, if I have to bring my information to you, doesn't it defeat the purpose of having a doc in the box? Yes, it does. Which is why we, It goes all the way back to start with your doctor, the people that know you. Yeah. And I want to read your reaction that you actually wrote on LinkedIn because I think this was powerful. It definitely caught my eye. I'm just going to have you react to it a little bit. Primary care is the root of our healthcare system. And my friends, the roots are rotting. So we have been undervalued for too long in primary care and putting a kiosk in the mall and equating it to personal relationships, um, that's insulting. You find that insulting. And, um, you know, so I want to get your reaction to that. And also, like, what do you think led us to this point? And how do we get out of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just that's, I'm so glad you read that again. Like, I I wrote that in a moment of like, frustration and, you know, emotion, but I still feel the exact same way. So you know, we all know that when patients utilize their primary care provider, they do better. I mean, that's a gross oversimplification, but numerous studies have shown over and over and over again that patients that utilize their relationship with their PCP are hospitalized less often, see fewer specialists, have better outcomes, have better satisfaction in their healthcare. And so here's this thing, this primary care that we know works and we are undermining it um, at every opportunity with things like this. So again, I think that this situation is born from a need because there is a shortage of primary care providers right now. But the answer isn't, well, you know, we don't have them. So let's just not incentivize doctors at all to go into primary care. Let's just make them completely obsolete. The answer is, reinvest, restore our faith in primary care. That's what we really have to do. We need more primary care providers, not fewer, not screens and boxes. Um, so I think the, you know, if we, if we took those multiple millions of dollars that are being invested in this approach and invested them in primary care, making med school more uh, affordable, reimbursing primary care doctors better so that it's a more appealing specialty, making you know access to primary care better. If we use those dollars that way, then we shore up our healthcare system that is so dependent on primary care instead of sabotaging it. It sounds like a lot of where this might be coming from is the access to primary care. And that I think is what 
is a big is a big issue in play here. And so I, I want to emphasize that you are open minded to this type of thing. I've I've personally you know edited some of your podcasts that you've done about AI and the role of AI. Uh, I just want to underscore and ask you like is are you saying like access to care could at some time at some point evolve to this or like what are your thoughts on that like as we look towards the future do you think it's going to just be we need to be like kind of a slow rollout here on how much ai is involved in the immediate doctor patient relationship which is you know at the level of like being a person and in patient care it's like it seems like this is really like going from zero to 60, like You're so right. fast. I mean, we, we maybe can get to this type of thing, but am I onto something like we need to slow our roll yeah. here? Well, I, I mean, I don't think we're ever going to be in a place where this is the answer. You know, there's a complete movement from primary care providers and offices to AI, but I think that AI is such or has the potential to be such a powerful tool in healthcare and for primary care providers and for access. It's all about just how we use that tool. Um, so we need to embrace AI. <clears throat> we just need to harness the power in a way that makes sense, that doesn't completely eliminate the critical thinking of a human being, the empathy of a human being. Um, you know, the relationship that we have with our patients. No AI avatar is going to have a personal relationship with a patient no matter what. So um, no, I don't think that it, we're moving in that direction. I do think this is a zero to 60 in, a, in the scariest possible way. But I also think when I when I really think about it, I think we're underestimating our patients a little bit. I think people are going to see right through this. And, you know, maybe what seems like appealing and convenient at first is going to very quickly show itself to be what it is, which is basically an elevated Google search. And, you know, none of that, you know, heartfelt caring about a patient, which is, you know, everything when it comes to medicine and what we do in our in our profession it's definitely more powerful when the resistance to this type of thing comes from the actual patient um rather than the provider i think because it's just it, it it's you know one could say well you have a bias of course you want right. to keep your job or whatever mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. um yeah i agree any other any other thoughts on how patients can kind of take back the power here and um advocate for themselves. Yeah. I mean, I think patients need to continue to speak out for what they want and what they need. So here's a perfect example. So my practice now, um, we're open seven days a week. We're open from 7 a.m. to 8 p.m., Monday through Friday, 8 to 4, Saturday and Sunday. Uh, this year, for the first time in a long time, we're going to have hours on Christmas Eve and New Year's Eve. And why? It's not because I relish working all these hours, you know, it's because that's what patients want, need, demand. So I would say to patients, you know, if you're going to set foot in a dock in a box in a mall, ask yourself, why am I doing this? And how can I advocate for my doctor or doctors in general to provide this need for me in a way that makes more sense? So I think patients definitely need to speak out. And they also need to seek out practices that listen, right? So, you know, we could have easily 
turned our, our a deaf ear to what our patients were clamoring for. They're like, ah, we're a Monday through Friday, you know, 10 to 3 practice, like a lot of doctors are, but that's not serving our community. And we only know what our community wants when the community tells us. So I think, you know, the best thing patients could do is not so much just avoid these things, but really think about the motivation behind why you are going to this place and where your primary care doctor or provider fits in that and how you can bring your need to them and give them the opportunity to meet you there. And the last thing I'll throw in here is to be open Saturday and Sunday in a in a hiring environment mm-hmm. where it's very difficult to staff in healthcare, there's no question about it um, coming off the great resignation and that type of thing. How do you go about being at full staff? Does that, is that a culture type thing where people actually are like, they see, Oh, I have to work Sunday, but it's okay because I actually like what I do. I like the culture I'm in. Does that help with uh, just on the flip side, talking about the actual provider side now, does that help with the staffing going into that? Yeah. I mean, I think the culture is a huge part of it. Uh, You know, our practice has always been about, giving patients what they need when they need it. You know, people say that we sort of have a concierge practice. We just don't get paid for it. You know, we don't make our patients pay cash to see us, but we provide like every moment of access we possibly can. And there's pride in that. So I am proud of this practice and our availability. And people would say, well, you're biased. You're the owner of the practice. But everybody that is on my team has that same pride. Like, wow, we save this person from an unnecessary ER visit. We reassured this person when they were in the middle of a panic attack on a Sunday afternoon, like that feels really good, uh, but it's not enough. So the other piece of it is, you know, a really meticulous search for the right people. You know, for some people, it's not feasible for them to work Monday through Friday because, you know, perfect example, one of my clinicians has a spouse who is a school teacher and she has young kids. And so she needs to be home during the day, Monday through Friday, but is available on the weekends to work. So, you know, we had to actively seek out people like that and they're out there. And then the third piece is you have to pay them. We can't expect, you know, providers and staff to work these off hours and pay them the same or, you know, try to pay them less. That just doesn't work. So, you know, from a business model, we have to be willing to put in the legwork and put in the dollars to invest in improving this access. And guess what? It comes back over and over and over again. We are not taking a loss on this team or on these hours because there's patient demand and we're filling the hours. No problem. You've been listening to the Tell Me More podcast with Dr. Christine Meyer. Her website is christinemeyermd.com. I will make sure that we put a link to this Forbes article in the description of this podcast. We want to make sure that everyone has a chance to, to read it and check it out for themselves and you know make their own decision on what's going on here. Uh, I'm very excited to have someone so mm-hmm. passionate on this show and be a part of this podcast. Again, I'm your podcast producer, Casey Callan, again, joined by Dr. Christine Meyer for today's producer chat episode of the Tell Me More podcast. Thank you for making time for this, Christine. Oh, thank you. That was so great. <laughs> thank you so much for listening. Are you ready to join our conversation? Just go to Facebook and search Christine Meyer, MD. Follow us to join 14,000 other people committed to creating better conversations in healthcare.